0: Today we're starting a new series uh, entitled Life with Jesus and it's based on the New Testament letter of 1 John uh, and it's written by one of Jesus' disciples John. Uh, uh, It's written around about uh, 60 or so years after Jesus' death and resurrection and John is writing to uh, churches that he knows that he's been involved with and uh, Christians those people who are followers of Jesus and he's writing because he's there's some things he wants them to be sure about and so he writes them this letter which is really important only yesterday I was myself looking at a 32 year old letter it's a letter written by my father to me my dad uh, wrote to me and one of the things he wrote in the letter is this let me read it to you He said this please please before you do anything be absolutely convinced that what you do is right it's the only letter my dad ever wrote to me Uh, it was written 18 months before my my dad died but my dad is concerned that i don't uh, make a mistake and i don't ruin my life i was at the time i was uh i was i just made a decision i was giving up my job i was leaving uh where i would grown up swansea leaving my friends my family and i was moving down to the south of england and, and i was going to work alongside someone and we were going to uh start uh, a new church that was the plan and my dad was concerned that i was uh going to make a poor decision and so he wrote to me i've still got the letter today john is writing to those that he knows and loves he's writing as a a father figure to his spiritual children and he's saying there's some things that I want you to be absolutely sure about I want you to be confident of I don't want you to do the wrong thing you see John has followed Jesus for a a lifetime we first uh, read about John in the New Testament in the book of Matthew and uh, we read about him he's a fisherman he's mending nets and Jesus walks by and he says to John he says follow me John drops the nets that he's been repairing mending preparing and he follows Jesus and he's 60 years later we still find him following Jesus Phil Moore in his commentary says that uh, the word that Matthew used for preparing is the same word that Paul uses in Ephesians when he writes to the Ephesian church and he talks about them preparing and helping get ready the church God's people uh, to serve him to do good works and so the point is this John is writing this letter and he is Preparing, mending uh, uh, the church net to make sure that none slip through. He wants none uh, to uh, uh, to escape, if you like, from a, a net that they don't need to, because he wants the church to flourish and he wants the church to do well. And so John is writing this letter uh, to help people know uh, what they can be certain of, things that they can be sure of. You see. Foundations in the Christian life are really important, and if we're not sure of our foundations, if we don't have certain foundations, then what happens? They get undermined. And I don't know if you've been watching the news recently, Um, the storm, uh, a a, a few uh, days ago even, the storm uh, impacted the Jurassic coastline. Parts of the cliff face uh, along the Jurassic coastline fell in, caved over, because it had been undermined. And John is writing because he doesn't want our Christian faith to be undermined. He wants us to be certain in these days. See, John knows that uh, that, uh, the church is under pressure from outside. The Roman Empire is uh, wanting the church to conform to the Roman way of doing things. In uh, the Roman Empire, you had to bow down and worship Caesar. Caesar is Lord. Uh, the early Christians wouldn't do that. They would only bow the knee to Jesus. And so they were under intense pressure and, and they were in danger of being in, in, in facing the ferocity of the opposition of the Roman Empire. They were in danger. Some were in danger of caving in. And John wants them, no, 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 be certain of some things. And uh, we're going to look at some of those in a moment. But we live in days where we need to be certain about our faith. We live in a society that is telling us uh, uh, certain things that the Bible doesn't agree with All sorts of things that, uh, th- uh, in this politically correct world that run counter to what the Bible says And John would say to us today, no, 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 you need to be certain You need to be certain of some things, you don't want your faith to be undermined And equally they were in danger, uh, the early church were in danger of being uh, impacted undermined from within there were people who were coming into the church and teaching things that weren't true and uh, in John's day they were called Gnostics and Gnosticism comes from the Greek word to know there were people coming and saying actually if you really want to know God if you really want to know God there's a special knowledge and we can help you get it John was saying no 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 you, there is only one way to know God And that's through Jesus Christ and you need to be certain of that otherwise your uh, faith is in danger of being undermined so without going any further let's have a look at the beginning of 1 John and let's read the first four verses together and this is what it says in the Christian Standard Bible what was from the beginning what we have heard What we have seen with our eyes, what we have observed and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life, that life was revealed and we have seen it and we testify and declare to you the eternal life that was with the Father and was revealed to us. What we have seen and heard we also declare to you so that you may also have fellowship with us and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son Jesus Christ. We are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. So John is reminding us of three things that we can be sure about. And so here's the first one. John wants us to be sure about God's Son. Uh, Annie and I, uh, a number of years ago, we invited some of our neighbours to come and find out about Christianity. And we uh, uh, ran some evenings in our home where we talked about some of the foundational truths about Jesus and what Jesus taught. And a number of our neighbours, about two, three or four of our neighbours, came along uh, to the evenings. And uh, one of them, I remember one of them being absolutely shocked. Uh, in fact, was actually quite cross when she uh, heard us talk about uh, the historical evidence for the existence of Jesus she'd grown up believing that Jesus was a myth that he didn't really exist he wasn't a real person he was a figment of uh, of people's imagination someone uh, back in uh, who, who may you know almost like a legend When she heard that there was more evidence, historical evidence for the existence of Jesus than there was for Julius Caesar. I remember being really, really angry. John is writing this letter. He's writing as a witness, a first hand witness of someone who has seen Jesus. And so he opens up this letter and he he says, "I, I want you to be sure about who Jesus is. He said I heard Jesus speak. John talks about hearing Jesus. He heard him. He heard the things Jesus said. Jesus said the sorts of things that only God would say. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. John heard him say it. John would have been shocked when he heard Jesus equate himself with God. John, uh, as he heard him, knew that actually there was something about what he said. He wasn't just one of these people who says things. I mean, we we all hear people say things we hear them say it on the Internet. But are they true? Does their life live up to what they say? No, no, no. John says, no, no, I heard him, but I saw him. And he says that he saw Jesus four times he makes the point he's emphasizing the point. I saw him I saw this Jesus I didn't just hear him I saw him and the last time he uses the word saw it, it means examine carefully John examined carefully he he got to see Jesus close hand he saw what he was like he didn't just see him as he was speaking to big crowds of people telling stories and parables no no John saw him when he was tired and hungry and on his own. He saw him when he uh, had been abandoned and let down. He saw him when he was feeling low. John saw him uh, as uh, he handled crowds of people who were needy. He saw how he treated the oppressed and the lepers and those that others wouldn't touch. He saw how he got out angry with those who should have cared for broken and damaged people and yet they took advantage of them. He saw Jesus' anger. He saw Jesus close at hand. He saw Jesus on a cross. He saw him die. John was a first-hand witness of Jesus dying. He saw him die. And we're told that when he heard when the first women came running back from the tomb saying his body's gone. He's he's not there. Someone's taken his body. John ran to the tomb and and we're told he goes in and, and it says he saw and believed. He saw Jesus had been raised from the dead. We're told later that he saw Jesus physically with his own eyes, the resurrected Jesus. The Jesus who he saw die, he saw him alive. John saw Jesus. And yet more than that, John says, I I heard him speak. I I saw him, but I handled him. I touched him. I held him. I put my head on his lap. John encountered Jesus. He touched him. He, 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 He knew Jesus was a real person. We need to know Jesus like that. It's not enough to just know of him. It's not enough to hear what he says. It's not just enough to read and see what he was like in the New Testament. But we need an encounter with Jesus just like John. And John, uh, when he writes uh, these things that he heard and he saw and he touched, he, uh, in the Greek he uses the perfect tense And he uses it particularly because the perfect tense What the perfect tense uh, uh, conveys is It conveys a historical event Something that happened in the past That has, is still having deep impact in the present John is still a passionate follower of Jesus 60 years after he heard him and saw him and touched him that the events of the past are still impacting his life still transforming his life what about you during lockdown what about you during this season where everything seems to have been shut down we can't meet together we've been stopped from meeting together are you still looking back on the events of Jesus' death on the cross and what he did for you does it still fill your heart with joy every morning does it still transform you as you get up in the morning as or have you been overwhelmed by circumstances John wants you to know God's son wants you to be sure about Jesus God's son the second thing that John wants us to be sure about is this he wants us to be sure about the gospel John says at the beginning of his letter, what was from the beginning? Why does he use the phrase what was from the beginning? Why doesn't he say what uh, he was from the beginning? Why does he say what was? John wants us to be sure who Jesus is. That's why he talks about seeing him and hearing him and touching him. But he wants us to be sure about the good news, what Jesus came to do we were spiritually dead we were far from god we didn't know god we were dead to god that's what the bible says and jesus has come to make us alive to god jesus has come to draw us into relationship with god jesus wants us to have a relationship with his father jesus wants us to know our father in heaven and john is writing to make sure that we know and we are confident in the gospel and you know it's all in his name Jesus Christ his name says it all Jesus reminds us of his humanity it's a a name just uh, lots of people were called Jesus in the day if you go to Mexico today it's a common name Jesus was a man just like us God became man as we've talked about Jesus fully understands our frailties our temptations maybe you've been struggling over these last weeks and months maybe you're feeling lonely isolated frustrated mainly maybe you're feeling disappointed and um, let down Jesus knows what you feel like Jesus lived as a man just like us he understands our emotions however tough life is for us Jesus knows and can sympathise with us in our weakness. Jesus understands. Jesus also uh, reminds us of what he came to do, his mission. The Bible says that he will be called Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. The Bible talks about us being alienated from God. We've lived without reference to God. The Bible calls that sin. It's a simple Bible word, it's not used much, it's not liked much in today's world But the Bible says that we are sinful, that we are separated from God And Jesus came to deal with our sin and restore us to a relationship with our Father in heaven You see, the Gospel is not so much about church strategy It's not so much about power. It's not about us working hard. All those things are important. God uh, uh, doesn't write off strategy, doesn't write off. He gives us his power. He, He wants us to work hard. But the gospel is all about Jesus Christ. God wants us to know the gospel is all about Jesus. Maybe during this season you felt like giving in. Maybe you felt like, what's this all about? Is this Christian faith really worth it? John wants to encourage you this morning that Jesus is still the answer. John wants you to encounter him afresh, draw near to him afresh. John wants you to know that Jesus is living and and in heaven, praying for you, interceding for you, pleading for you. And if he's for you who can stand against you the writer of the hebrews says that we need to fix our eyes on jesus we need to consider him so that we don't grow we- grow weary and lose heart god doesn't want you to lose heart if you feel like you've been losing heart you need to focus afresh on jesus you see he never gave up on us when he was on the cross we were on his mind Jesus Christ it's not a surname it's who he is Jesus Christ means Messiah the Messiah God's promised deliverer the one that's going to set us free from all that holds us back all the things that keep us from a relationship with a holy God Jesus was the one who was going to bring good news to the poor, to the brokenhearted, to the needy. Jesus is the one who's going to bring freedom for all those who are captive to their uh, emotions and their fears and their anxieties and the things that control their lives. Jesus is the one that comes to set us free. That's good news and it's still good news today. Are you confident? Are you sure? in the gospel what Jesus has done for us you see Jesus may now have ascended to be with his father in heaven but his mission is not over he's given us his authority he's called us as his followers to bring his kingdom wherever we go to be Jesus to the people we meet to bring the message of hope to the hopeless To bind up the broken hearted. He's called us to do that. We're his ambassadors, Paul tells the Corinthians. And we have his authority. We may be a scattered people. We may not be able to gather together on Sunday mornings. But this season is an opportunity. No special revelation is needed. We need confidence in the gospel, in the good news about Jesus this is personal it's why Paul says remember Jesus Christ raised from the dead descended from David this is my gospel It's why he says that to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2 verse 8 what about you is this your gospel is this good news for you has it changed your life is it still changing your life John wants you to be certain of it. Finally, we need to be sure about the goal. You see, the goal for all those who read John's letter is that fellowship, relationship with God and with each other is really possible. The Greek word is koinonia. It's a, an unusual word. It, it means more than just socialising. It means relationship with a purpose. I, uh, many years ago, uh, played for a football team, a a Christian uh, football team when I was in university. The name of the team was Koinonia. And um, uh, it was an interesting name for a football team. Nobody else, I think, knew what it meant. But we were supposed to exude uh, uh, relationship, friendship, love with purpose. And uh, I can say probably on occasions the name calling ourselves Koinonia was a bit of a misnomer because we didn't always live up uh, to what our name uh, said about us. But John says that as Christians we are to have relationship, fellowship, uh, a relationship with purpose with our Father and with each other. It's possible and it's all because of Jesus John, in his Gospel, he refers to himself five times as the disciple that Jesus loved. Do you know, he wasn't boasting, he wasn't saying Jesus didn't love the other disciples. He was saying, do you know what, I am so overwhelmed. Jesus loves me. He loves me. He was overwhelmed by this fact. It, uh, filled his life he knew that God unconditionally loved him it wasn't based on what he did or how he performed he didn't need a special knowledge he didn't need a theology degree he didn't need to have parents who went to church he knew God loved him because of Jesus and what Jesus did for him you see we receive new life the fullness of life through a relationship with God through Jesus that's what the Bible says this koinonia this fellowship it's for us and it it affects not only our relationship with God but it affects our relationship with one another you see fellowship is truly experienced when there are no barriers between us when we share a common love for the same things that's what we're supposed to have as as Christians no barriers between us Relationship with no barriers. Relationship with a common love for Jesus. You see, the amazing thing is this. Jesus has removed every barrier between us and God. God is now our father. He loves us completely. God effectively says, because you love Jesus, you are my friends. He says to Jesus, any friend of yours is a friend of mine. Jesus says, you're my friends. If you give your life to me, if you put your trust in me, you're my friends. If you follow me, if you obey what I say, you're my friends. And Jesus has brought us into this magnificent, this beautiful relationship with his father. You see, Jesus is no fair weather friend. The Bible says he sticks closer than a brother he never lets us go he's a friend that will always love us he laid down his life for us if we're friends of jesus we're friends of god we can be real with god and he won't give up on us he's a real father he loves us so much he doesn't want to leave us in the state that we're in but this is not just for our relationship with god this is about our relationship with each other So as our relationship with god develops we become more like him and so paul can say we have the mind of christ and that impacts how we treat one another it impacts how we speak to one another it impacts how we think about one another the things that we do it impacts the fact that we want to be kind to those around us that we want to put other other's needs before our own that is what this fellowship is all about you see the more we love god and the closer we get to him the closer we get to others who love god it doesn't matter what their nationality doesn't matter what their background is doesn't matter about their ethnicity we can have intimate friendship annie went to rwanda with a a team from the church uh, about 18 months ago and when she came back she talked about Uh, Stephen one of the uh, compassion hosts that had been looking after them it was a compassion trip and um, I I, I talked about him really warmly what a lovely guy he was do you know what through lockdown every now and again she gets a text message from Stephen saying I'm praying for you I'm thinking about you and 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 uh, and your husband Pastor Steve she calls me and he says I'm praying for you thinking about you Why would he do that? Because we're part of the same family. How can this work out in this season? Well, we don't sit around waiting for church to happen. We are church. You are church. Wherever you go, you bring church. Whether it's to your neighbour or to the ones that you are able to invite into your home, the people you walk with, you are Jesus. You're his hands and his feet. As we draw to a conclusion this morning, God wants us to be sure about Jesus. He wants us to be sure about this gospel, this good news. And he wants us to enjoy, enjoy fellowship with him and each other. And John says that if we do that, we can expect to be filled with joy despite all that's happening in the world around us. In this world, Jesus said, you'll have trouble, and yet he promised to make our joy full. Literally means filled full, overflowing. Jesus says, Whatever is happen, happening, we can be overflowing with joy. That should mark our lives. If we have, if we're sure about Jesus, if we're sure about the gospel if we're sure about our relationship with god and those around us our joy should overflow we will never know this joy until we are sure about jesus martin lloyd jones says this joy has been the characteristic of the church in every period of reformation and revival What conquered the ancient world was this joy, this gladness, this verve, this indestructible quality in the life of these people. And this is the greatest need in the world today.